0: everyone and welcome along to the TII podcast. My name is Craig Dennett and I'm your host for what is the first of our live bulletins during the World Cup break. The World Cup's not even started yet, but they're still being full of drama um for Rangers at the start of this first week of the break. As I said, my name's Craig Dennett and I'm your host for the season. I'm joined by Kai Watson. How are you doing, Kai? Good
1: having you How's yourself?
0: Yeah, good, thank you. We're also joined by Reese Cochrane. How are you doing, Rhys? Yeah, all good lads, all good. Apart from Rangers. Apart from Rangers, I we thought. Uh, I think. I think there's been quite a few people celebrating the fact we don't have Rangers for five weeks. But we are very much on the case with the club and still talking about the big issues that are that are arising. Obviously, the main one is Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Um, it looks as though, despite. Um, dropping points uh, once again at the weekend against St Mirren and Paisley. It looks as though the board are sticking with Giovanni van Bronckhorst as it stands as the Rangers manager. Um, I think we would all have expected Giovanni van Bronckhorst to no longer be the Rangers manager by this stage, especially three days after that result. And if we were we're going to make a change um, to the manager, manager. there there would be no better time than now to do so with five weeks with pretty much a full squad to work on tactics, shape, all that sort of stuff for a new manager coming in. Kai, like I said, it does look as though the Rangers board are sticking with them for now. We all, we saw the, the interview with the Dutch journalist on Sky Sports, I think it was, um, yesterday. What are your thoughts on the situation at the moment? I
1: think it got to a stage after Monday being gone that I don't think it is was kind of surprise now. I think if anything was going to be done, it should have been done quick. Like we've got got the break now. It's a perfect time to get a new manager in, time to give pretty much a mini preseason at this point to let the managers come in and see kinda of how they assess the players we currently have and what they kinda of need going forward. But I think the fact that it wasn't done either like by kinda of end of play on Monday. I think we all kinda of realise it wasn't going to happen and just a feeling of, kind of disappointment at this point. Like We've obviously discussed the injury list, and that's, I think, what the board are kind of playing on and hoping that by the time these players come back, things could be better. And as much as Rangers could play better, the gap's already huge, and unfortunately our rivals don't look like they're going to drop many points this season. So I feel like it's over already.
0: Yeah, I think quite a lot of Rangers fans are very similar in their way of thinking uh, as you, Kai. Uh, Reese, are you surprised Gio's
2: still in his job at this stage? Um, do you know, I'm, I don't even know if I'm surprised. I'm disappointed, but I don't know if I'm surprised. It's one of them that you can make the argument either side, but at the minute it's just not been good enough. And it did seem the perfect time for the change to happen. So um, to this point, I'm quite surprised it's not happened, but more disappointed than su- surprised.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. There's quite a lot of comments coming in already which show just how um, how disappointed and how angry and how emotive a subject this is for Rangers fans at the moment and we'll get to some of them shortly. Um, I guess if we do work on the basis that Giovanni van Bronckhorst is still going to be the Rangers manager come the, the 15th of December when we take to the pitch at Ibrox against Hibs. Kai, what what is the way forward for this Rangers team? How do how do we get out of this rut? How do we get out of the the run of poor performances that we've had in recent weeks?
1: I think ideally there needs to be some kind of change in the style of play. Like I know, Van Bronckhorst has obviously been a bit kind of stubborn with the way we've been playing the league recently. And it just feels like he needs to he needs to change something. It was weird, like in the Europa League run, it seemed like he still was so adaptable and they're dropping into the three at the back and he made really kind of like intelligent changes on the park and the players were playing really well. And just all of a sudden, it seems like he's got no ideas. There's no kind of drive or passion to change anything. It's just, we'll stick with what we have. We'll change players in the position, but no, actually change the formation or kind of change the way it's going. Like the amount of crosses we've put in recently is like staggering numbers. I can't remember off the top of my head, but an absolutely ridiculous amount of crosses going into the box with no end product from it. So it just seems like he needs to change something in the way he plays. And as much as players coming back could possibly lead him to change that. And just for the players he has might change how he's playing because he can use players in different ways. It's kind of what you need to hope for, but I just I don't see it happening at this point.
0: Yeah, I think it was 73 crosses against Lovingston, I think it was, was the total. Um, and obviously we scored in the 91st minute, I think, of that game. Reese. I just want to come on to uh, a comment that Thomas Neal made. Um, he said that he isn't a bad manager, to be honest, but I think he's lost the dressing room. Kai spoke a wee bit there about how the players were playing well for a period and it just seems to have fallen off a cliff. Do you think it looks like he has lost the dressing room or at least the confidence of the players and what he's trying to do?
2: 100%. Um, I really do. I think last season's success was with what I, re- I regard as quite frankly a totally different team. I think we're miles behind where we were last season and I think that the more and the more you see it you, know, you start to see guys not even bothering to moan anymore. Like and I'm not talking fans in the stand, I'm talking like Alan McGregor, who would usually be going off his nut at people not being direct, not pushing, not pressing hard enough. Like and you just start to see that almost defeatedness about them and the lack of effort I think at times has been quite staggering and I would totally agree. I think he's lost
0: confidence and the fans and on the part. Yeah, Kai, you'll, you'll see the comment on the screen from Paul McGarrigle. Um, We as fans can see that players are, no, are nowhere near as fit as they were last season. Why give them a two-week holiday? Should be training hard. You might have seen pictures of Alfredo Morelos on a sun lounger with a cocktail um, today, looking like he's absolutely loving life back in Colombia. It's definitely not the, the image as fans that you want to see. And um, I understand why the players are getting a break because it has been a quite an intensive kind of period, but surely the advice would have been keep it keep it on the down low in terms of the in terms of social media and that side of things. But do you think that I think Giovanni Van Broncker said that we have two week break and then three weeks of a pre season intensive training leading up to the Hibs game? Do you think that's enough time?
1: I seen I'm sure I seen on Twitter today that Aberdeen were already away at a trading camp. I can't quite remember where it was they were away to, but they are away instantly. And like I mean it's a five week break. Can you trust, especially looking at Morelos, can you trust him to go away for two weeks and come back? Like A on time, B in any kind of shape, like he's already not looked the fittest. And now he's got two weeks to go away and pretty much do what he wants. And if in day one he's on the summer of cocktails, like, can you really trust him? That he's not going to do that for two weeks? And then he's going to come back and it's pretty much the summer, summer all over again. Like, especially when he's not even hit a level of fitness that fans are happy with or even a level of effort. Like, it's tough to kind of get behind the two-week break, especially if, fair enough, Aberdeen haven't obviously had the European football and stuff to contend with, but the fact that they're willing to kind of go the whole five weeks and just a kind of push on they've obviously been performing a bit better recently and they are obviously willing to push that whereas i know van bronkos was way back to holland i think ugh, he's gonna be a bit different since he's living i'm sure he's living in glasgow alone so it's always like going to see his family but surely you could still like i think two weeks i don't know if people may think i'm being harsh in two weeks is too long for a break to give them but if you're looking at other sides that are using the whole five weeks to prepare i just i don't see how you can justify giving the players a two-week holiday when in my eyes have genuinely not earned it so far
0: yeah i think having thought about it a bit more i reckon maybe a one week break and then four weeks four weeks working on stuff obviously we've got the friend with Leverkusen on the 10th of december but i think um it's quite obvious that the team needs to needs to gel more than it has been and needs to almost work through the issues that it's facing um I think there's been a few comments um, looking at the the sort of style of play um, that we have at the moment. Reese Thomas Nielsen need to play a flat four four two with two up front. Um, some people in the comments RFC fifty six they are saying we don't have two strikers good enough, <laughs> which is potentially true. true. Um, Pacer saying that the horseshoe is boring and predictable. That's what Feynard fans said. What do we need to change or what can we change um, when it comes to that Hibs game to make us more unpredictable, to to create a more entertaining brand of football and ultimately a winning brand of football? I think
2: um, just to address a couple of comments there, I think football's moved on from 4-4-2, 4-4-2, I don't think that works. So that's quite a dated approach to it. Um, I think at the start of the season we were all calling for Chua and Murray to play together. So it's probably recently bias to say that we've not got two good enough strikers to do that. When at the start of the season we all wanted it to happen. I think it's an individual approach really. With the break for me, like I've seen a Kumalut player that went to the same school as me in Dubai. Like we're not all being ran into the ground. Um, two weeks off who cares if things were going well we really wouldn't bother the only thing that worries me is is it perhaps drawn a bit of similarity to Celtic going to Dubai in the season we won 55 maybe you're already playing poorly excuse me with the possibility of meeting even worse if you lose a player through I don't know Covid or anything like that then it could just get worse for on in. But what we need moving forward, I think it is just a fresh start with the management. I don't think I think he might be an alright coach, but he's certainly not a manager.
0: Yeah, I think there's a few people saying that the Fire fans warned us that this is coming, um, that they experienced something similar um kai ross one of the the fellow hosts of the tia podcast said he's never been able to implement a style on domestic games to create chances it's a real slog at times watching this team try to break down opposition defenses i have to agree with that ross is also I don't think ever been a post match reaction host of a winning Rangers game, which is um, a record. I hope he, he he stops very quickly. But in terms of his in terms of his comment there on the style and domestic games to create chances, we do seem to really struggle to create chances. And even in the St Mirren game at the weekend, we were I think one shot on target by the 60th minute, and that's not that's not the style of football or the amount of chances that you expect to create against teams like St Mirren.
1: I think you look at if you look at stats for games, and then there's a volume of shots that have been taken. But again, there's no real good chances. It's even if you look at the St Johnston game, like the Tavernier goal, it's straight. Obviously, the keeper's used blocked for that, but it's a shot that's straight at the keeper. It's a shot that if the sun's not in his eyes, there's not a player in front of him. He saves it. Like the chances are really poor. And obviously, when Cholak went on his ridiculous streak of the, I'm sure it was ten and nine you're looking at it and he's scoring every chance. And now he's been looked at as he's missing chances, but he is only getting one. Obviously when he's scoring all those goals, people are like, oh, you just need to give him one chance and he scores it. But I mean, you can't expect someone that's obviously like playing in the SPFL in the nicest way possible to kind of have that finishing ability. Like a player, if they scored every chance they got, would not be playing in Scotland. And that's why... Like it's, it's one chance a game at most at this point. There's just there's no creativity, and you always talk about playing against the low block and something obviously kind of Gerard struggled with. But I feel like it's getting worse under Van Bronkhorst, like saying earlier about how the players were kind of playing under him in Euro- European games last year and they would change it up. It's just he's, there's no freshness and no ideas if it's not working. It's just, well, if we persevere long enough and we keep trying, we'll maybe get. That lucky break, someone will make a mistake, someone will score a wonder goal. It's just, it's hopeful, if anything else. There's no, obviously there's no style, there's nothing implemented. It's just technically, on paper, we've got better players than them. So if we keep hammering away, then we'll maybe get something. And it worked for a while, but obviously the wheels have completely fallen off the last three games. And it's something I think, as fans, we've seen coming for a while but now it's just hit really, really hard.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'd have to agree with that. Reese, it seems that the noises coming out of the club, which are very few and far between, but some of the comments that are making their way to journalists seem to be that um, he's had a lot of injuries to deal with and that, that the board are, are giving him a bit of leeway because of that. Um, would you agree that he should get some leeway because of that? Or do you think that's just making excuses?
2: No, I did at first. Um, At first, 100%, I would agree I, I with that, because I, I do still think we're plagued with injuries. A lot of them, probably, like, unforeseeable, just unpredictable and really long-term. I don't think we get ones that are only, like, a couple of days a week. They all seem to be months, long weeks at a time, and I think Paul McGargoe had a good question in the chat there about if we'd a fully-fit squad, would we just, 11B, and if that were to be the case, uh, I think we'd uh, take the uh, But I think the way it's going now it is, is you're hitting hope, and we should we should be able to compete with them even with the squad we've got, and it is just very reminiscent of Celtic's
0: 1920 season. Yeah, I think that's a fair point you make about uh, Paul McGarigal's question there. So let's. Let's actually have a look at it, and and we can kind of have a discussion about who, um, if all players were fit in our squad, who would, who would be in each of the or the key positions or the starting eleven as such. So, goalkeeper you get three up there: Alan McGregor, John McLaughlin, Ross McCorry, Kai. I think I'd have to go with Alan McGregor as the as the number one at this point. I was I was all for John McLaughlin at, during the summer, but that definitely didn't work out. How. I expected and I think many fans expected it too.
1: No I'm the exact same box I was all for. John McLaughlin started the season and then the old firm game came along and that ship sailed after that game for me
2: and I'd have to go
0: with McGregor. Reese, would you full house on Alan McGregor?
2: Yeah, definitely. But I don't think Ross McRawy's a Rangers keeper. He's a Ranger.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting that he signed a new contract um earlier this season. I thought that was a, a bit of a strange one. Um I don't think he's going to get the game time. And I think when it comes to, to the summer when Alan McGregor will hopefully have, have bid farewell for the final time to to Rangers, I think the, the time for new and fresh goalkeepers to come in is is then. Um so all in agreement about Alan McGregor. Um central defensive partnerships now. Every single one of these players apparently injured just now. So I guess that kind of shows the, the size of the job or the task facing Giovanni Van Bronckos, but let's just pretend that they're not injured. Um so we've got Philip lander Connor Goldson, John Sutter, Ben Davies, and Leon King. Centre back partnership too for your for your starting eleven we'll come to you first on this one. Goldson so Um not Goldson Davies, but
2: I think if the three of them are fit, you've got a good rotation there. Goldson's got a bit every time for me, um, head and shoulders, I love the rest of them.
0: Do you think we've, do you think, I suppose I've always been an advocate of Conor Goldson and I was uh, kind of delighted that he, he signed a new contract, but do you think a lot of Rangers fans who were maybe a bit torn or in the middle about him signing a new contract have realised his value to the team now, Reese?
2: Hundred percent. I think the only reason Goldson gets as much stick as he does is because we expect so much from him. And we expect so much from him because he's a good player.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Um I think to be fair, I would I'm interested in in um why he picked John Souter over Ben Davies. I'll come back to that in a second. Kai, I think I would go for Goldson and Davies as the is my preferred partnership. What are your thoughts?
1: I'd uh, go Goldson and Davis as well. It's actually at a point I've forgotten how good Hillander was and how good he could be. Like it's been that long since I've seen him play. It's it obviously be tough taking to a of bring him in because I think obviously Goldson, if anyone did doubt the impact he had on his team, it's on this team, it's been really obvious that, since he's been out, like how crucial a player he is. And you know, I think Davis has been really impressive. I think he's kind of balances the defence out. I think he complements Goldson really well. He's also capable of those kind of long switching passes that Golson does. So I think especially in being left-footed as well, that bit of experience that he has just, just looks comfortable. And I thought they looked like a really solid partnership before the injuries happened.
0: Yeah, so all three of us have picked Conor Golson, but there's quite a few people in the comments saying, um, one person um, saying he's a time bomb, another person saying he's shocking, Another person saying um, the only only time I'd pick Goldson was to play dodgeball, and um, so that kind of shows the um, the disparity, I guess, in opinion and our support. Uh, Rhys, just on the the Suter or Davies thing, why why did you prefer Suter?
2: It just kind of came to mind that he's getting more experience and perhaps more knowledge of playing on the SPL or SPFL rather. Um, I think that he's just got more experience of. Low blocks, physical players like that stay off football. The turfs, everything that Davies maybe doesn't. I think Davies is probably the better footballer in truth, but Goldson sitting there, eh, Souter sorry, seems more physical. Go, eh, I thought Davies was brilliant and very composed on the ball for the spells that he's been involved. But I just kind of had this hope that Souter would be a bit more rough and tumble than Golds. But probably
0: the same ability on the ball. Yeah, I um, I think I think Davies just edges it for me. But um, I can I can understand the sort of experience in the league, John Suter. But I think Davies' ability on the ball just edges it for me. Uh, left back, Kai, uh, Redvan Yilmaz or Barisic. We've obviously seen obviously seen very little of Redvan Yilmaz so far. Um. I think he, from what I have seen, he looks really promising, and he offers us something a bit. There's a bit of a different dimension to to Barisic in terms of going forward. I think Barisic was largely quite um, harshly treated by fans in the first half of the season, although he did have a few shockers. And there, I think I would just on pure promise alone and offering the pace down the line, I'd go for Yilmaz. What about yourself?
1: No, it's Yilmaz for me. Even see just in the. Kind of small snippets we've seen of him, his ability to kind of cut through the middle of the park and it just gives Kent's obviously good when he's got the space, but I feel like sometimes Barisic is a bit too close to him and he kind of closes down the space that Kent's got to work in. I feel like Yilmaz is smart enough and he's good enough on the ball, to kind of cut inside to give Kent the space out wide, but if he does need to overlap, then again Yilmaz is an intelligent enough player to kind of go beyond and make that run. I just feel like there's a lot more promise in an attacking sense, which we definitely need in the SPFL compared to playing Barisic. And not that it's his fault, but he does whip in must be about 20-30 crosses a game from deep positions that hasn't been effective so far. Because it felt like the crosses coming in from that side were a lot, a lot less when Yilmaz was playing there.
0: Yeah, Rhys, would you agree? Yilmaz in there, and um, if so, why? Yeah,
2: I think Young is just is what Kai's saying. I think his ability to go beyond Kent would help quite a lot. I think Kent gets doubled up on very often and if we've got a player who can even go beyond them, I don't think I've seen Barisic do it once. Um, I think Barisic is maybe the better defender, but I'd say because we'll have more of the ball going forward in domestic games that we need that out ball down the left-hand side. You see Tav supporting wingers on the right-hand side who only as good as Ryan Kent, but they get more luck because he's making that space for them. Whereas Bonner doesn't really get do Kent that option, He just sits behind them and waits for him to knock it back so he can cross it for the 74th time. But I just... Sorry to respond to one of the comments that i seen there. Um, I would pick Suter over Davies because he's got more experience playing in our domestic league. Although Davies is perhaps a better footballer, We've seen good footballers come up
0: here before and don't know how to handle it. Yeah, I think um, on your point that uh, Borna's a better defender than Yilmaz, that would concern me because Borna is not a good defender at all. He's he's always offered us something going forward, but defensively, especially stopping crosses, he is not, he is not a good defender on that front. I don't think either of our defenders are really um, particularly good on that front, if I'm honest. I'm going to skip by right back because i'm seeing james tavernier is in there ahead of adam Devine. um into midfield we've got a whole host of midfielders here half of the vast majority of whom seem to be injured Um so but if we stay consistent with three in the midfield selection between uh sans mccann wundstrom jack davis Kamara, offer I, I don't even know if we should encode off the ball in this list, but he's on the list. Yeah, the squad, he's so we'll, we'll go for him. Um, Arfield, uh, Hadji, Lowry, and Tillman. Um, Reese, you're three in midfield out of that list? Um,
2: I'd be tempted to go Lundstrom, Kamara. No, sorry. Lundstrom, Lawrence, Hadji. I'd have Lundstrom playing as a six. Davies, uh eh, Lawrence rather, got more box to box as an eight and Haji probably more advanced as a ten and a four, two,
0: three, one. Right, okay. Kai, uh, I'd you
1: know. Honestly, I absolutely love to see the three pieces put together. Just to kind of see something going forward and not having the two holding players. But I've actually I don't know if this is a recency bias thing, but I really like seeing Lundstrom in the two with Sands. So, I think Lundstrom's looked a lot better again since he was kind of given that freedom to go forward. So, I'd again, it's probably a recency bias on this, but I'd probably go Sands next to Lundstrom. So, Sands is the six, Lundstrom is the eight, and then Lawrence ahead of them is a ten.
0: Yeah, I have to agree to you, I really, I really liked um, Sands and Lundstrom beside each other. It was the Aberdeen game, wasn't it? Um, before they became our central defensive partnership in Paisley, which blows the mind but um i thought they worked really well together and sands almost gave lundstrom the license to to push forward and to to have that more forward thinking role, which i think suited them better than sitting in that pivot um but i would i like to say i, I like reese's idea of a forward thinking attacking um say i think i would actually oh who would i go for probably i'd go for lundstrom um followed by it's a, it's a tough one. Um, I think I'd go ideally Wundstrom Tillman and Hadji in there, if I'm being honest. Uh, I'm throwing Tillman in there purely because I think he has a lot to offer us. His, his uh, work rate is questioned quite a lot of time, and I do understand that and I do see it. But I think over the past few weeks, he's been one of the the main creative aspects within our team, and I think he's um, he's an important part of that. Um, Tom Warren still finds his way into the team, I think, but I think it's in one of the front three positions rather than um, in that um, sort of num- that midfield role that, that's more of the attacking side of things. Right, looking at the front three, uh, Matondo, Wright, Warrens, Kent, Cholak, Chol- Morelos, Ruf, yeah, I'll come to you first on to you. that one. I'm, going to, I'm still
1: going to stick with Kent. On the left, because I know, obviously, team selection has been criticised for this, but he is is capable and I think he looks more capable with Yilmaz here, kind of giving him that space. So for getting, kind of getting the team that I want and I'm getting Yilmaz off on what he does, I'm going to keep Kent on the left. Like I said, Lawrence is a 10, the goal being hopeful, I'm really hopeful Hadji's just gonna come back and hit the ground running and I think he's a player everybody kinda of sees has got potential. The both fatiguedness, kinda of the creative aspect, it's just whether he kinda of has he's obviously not always had blistered and pace anyway. But it just depends again how the injuries kinda of affected his legs and his ability to move. And then up top I'm going Chola just, I mean, the goal scoring record alone. And I think loss has massively failed to impress I feel like he should be out the door in the coming months.
0: Right, I've changed my mind. I'm going, I'm shoving Lawrence back into the, the number 10 row and I'm putting Hadji wide right, Ch- Cholak up top, and I think you have to go with Kent on the left hand side at the moment. Reese, what about yourself? See, I forgot
2: thought, I, I thought Hadji plays off the right at times, but then you've not got that width. Uh, for me, I'm keeping up with Ben, and I would have Kent, Cholak, and Sakala. I think Sakala is so frustrating, right? Like, honestly, see watching him, the amount of times you just want to put like Stephen Davis's brain in him or something. Um, for me, it's frustrating, but his pace is frightening, and I think he creates opportunities for himself just with pace. It's a lot harder to develop pace than what it is technique. So. Give him time and enough
0: opportunity to practice opportunity on the part. I think good right one. Yeah. Well. yeah. So I think going by the, the 11 I picked, so we're looking at McGregor and goals, Tab at right back with cent- central defensive partnership of Goldson and Davies with Yelmaz at left back, followed by Lundström, Tillman and Lawrence in midfield with a front three of Hadji, Cholak and Kent that to me is a pretty exciting team and a a team that's full of attacking creativity, attacking flair. And I think that what it does do is it kind of symbolises how much our team has been impacted by injuries. Um, Does that going through that exercise? um, Thank you very much to Paul McGarigal for for asking that question. But Kai, does going through that exercise kind of reinforce how many injuries that we have actually had and how big or how much of an impact it's had on our squad?
1: I think it definitely puts it into perspective, especially when you were like rhyming the, the list of midfielders and went through about 10 names and when it comes to match day now you're struggling to get a three or four, but it's a choice between three or four for kind of three positions. It obviously does put it into perspective, but I still Even if Gio puts out the attacking team that Reese has got, if it's the same style of play, if he's still got no game plan, then honestly I don't know if the team selection changes anything, which is genuinely my biggest worry after we come back from
0: the break. Yeah, Reese. same question to you, just about to put it into a bit of perspective for you. i'm not sure we can actually hear us at the moment so uh, we'll just we'll fire on a wee bit kai just talking about the um just looking at the um the games after the break uh, my fear with about giovanni van bronckhorst still being in position is we have got five weeks now and obviously as we mentioned at the start it's the perfect time um to it's the perfect thing to make that change because it allows other another philosophy or some changes in style to come into um come into play at that point um ahead of the the hibs game and then also aberdeen a few other games and the lead up to the celtic game um do, what happens if um i was that reese back in here what, what happens if we lose against hibs or drop points against hibs and aberdeen we're then in some additional nightmare scenario that we've not made any changes in the game. We're going to keep coming thick and fast. I mean, for, it's entirely possible that could happen, but what is? what do we do as a club at that point?
1: I feel like at that point, it's too late. So I feel like if that does happen, he's Van broncos isn't going anywhere, I think. The earliest, if he doesn't go before the World Cup break, I don't even think they sack him in January. I genuinely, if you're looking, a couple of guys have said this in the chat that they think they'll see out end of the season, but I feel like this could drag on to maybe around March. I don't see even if he loses, even if we don't win a game until the next old Farm game. I genuinely don't see I'm going to come down to a pride thing by the board at that point. They've made the decision now. When it is, like we've all spoke about it, it is the best time to bring in a new manager. The manager has a mini pre-season to get the players into their way of thinking. And then the manager can see if he doesn't fancy any of the players with obviously a view to kind of moving them on. And then he has the whole January transfer window potentially try and bring a player or two in that kind of suits their style more. But if you don't make that decision now, I feel like it will be an end of the season decision. Just purely on a prime thing for the board that they've made that mistake and they're just going to stick by it. I can't see them folding if they don't can I make the call now, which is really frightening.
0: Yeah. I think it's 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 really concerning to me. And we know how much we've struggled coming back from the winter break in recent years. Um I think apart from the fifty-five season, we've struggled every single time. Um I don't really know what the reason behind that struggle is and um, but it's really concerning the fact that we're we've went into the break really low on confidence and dropping points and the potential to come out of the break still low on confidence and dropping more points is is really concerning and the size of the gap that there could be to celtic very quickly um is a great concern as well um in terms of the um in terms of as we go into the transfer window if Giovanni Van Bronckhorst is still, still the manager, you'd expect the board to back him. I, I think there's questions as to whether the board have backed him properly until now, but you'd expect the board to back him with, with money and finances, knowing the position we're in. Is that the right thing to do with a manager who's potentially on his way out the door in the summer?
1: I think the whole thing boils down to, I think it's generally just a matter of time whether it's stubbornness from the board, whether it's a financial thing, I think he's going to be out the door. But if you keep him, like you said, the smart thing you do would be to invest in him. But you don't know if the board have the view of, like if they keep him until January and going into the window, if they're still thinking about getting rid of cutting ties in March or the end of the season. So I think that's not going to be, if he is here until January, like, that's not going to be obvious until they don't back him then. And then I feel if they don't back him in January, that's just a sign that they're going to get rid of him. So, like, why not do it now? Why risk? Like, what's really going to change? Like, his style of play is his style of play. We heard it from Fayonard fans. I don't think they had the kind of mass injury list that we have right now. Like, do the players change anything? They'll maybe get you a couple extra points here and there with better. A bit of magic, but can we still rely on that like week on week as a club of our stature in the league that we're playing with the players we have at our disposal? Should not be relying on the ball breaking in the box or someone to pull out a understrike. strike. It's just, I just don't get it. I don't get the reason behind keeping them just now. And if things do get worse before the old Firm game, I think we'll see, I don't think they'll get rid of them in January. I think we'll see a lack of backing which is just a sign that they're kind of dragging out his contract as much as they can so it's i mean i'm assuming it obviously wouldn't cost as much to kind of terminate it when there's six months less on the deal and that's the only way i can kind of see it going
0: yes yeah, uh you the more you think about it and the potential for it to get worse is um it's almost not worse not worth bearing thinking about um I think it's interesting the number of comments saying that about ross wilson and i suppose when you think about the the approach that has been taken in the in the kind of i guess football department structure that we have at rangers in terms of ross wilson i guess is there to provide the continuity even if the manager were to leave in terms of strategy and style and approach um so in theory we should continue to spend money improving the team improving the squad based upon Ross Wilson's vision for the club, I guess. Which at the same time, I know recently comments have said that um, it's a kind of it's a combined or joint decision between the manager and Ross Wilson as to who who comes in. Does the idea of that approach in the transfer window make you nervous, or even what's your thoughts on Ross Wilson's position at this stage, Kai? Well, I think that's where uh,
1: it'd be really interesting to know the proper dynamics of it. It's something that we're genuinely never going to know. Like, if I'm wrong, got he's not going to come out and say kind of what the real relationship is with Ross Wilson, I feel, unless it's a really, really bitter kind of breakup in that way. I don't think he's going to do like a tell-all and reveal like kind of how the board chats have went and stuff. I don't see that happening. So without knowing the proper relationship and to know if it is, Like, if Ross Wilson does go to a list with Geo and he's like, oh, these are the players that I want, do any of these interest you? Or if it's just he gives them one name and it's a yes or no? Like, if that is the relationship, like, we're kind of led to believe if the true relationship is that it's a collaboration between Ross Wilson and the manager. And then doing that while, well, obviously I don't know what the board are thinking, but I feel like most Rangers fans don't think Van Broncos will be here to the end of the season if he does make it won't be here next season so i think it's a kind of scary prospect to go to a manager that doesn't look like he has a long-term future here and kind of discuss players you're going to bring in to take us forward because obviously you look at the kind of bass the patterson bassy and series were kind of the start of rangers going with the player trading model and trying to do that going forward and obviously Yelmaz kind of looks like he's a player that's been running with the potential of that. To go in and looking at that with a manager who might come in and not fancy any of the players that have been bought, it's quite a scary prospect without knowing the full kind of relationship between Ross Wilson and the manager.
0: Yeah, we've spoken a lot tonight about Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. we've spoken a bit about uh, Ross Wilson as well, we've spoken about the boards inaction. Kai, the AGM is coming up, I believe, on the sixth of December. Um, I dread to think what the atmosphere is going to be like at that um, at that board meeting. You get the feeling that the board are, ma- are making it worse for themselves with their inaction, don't you?
1: I feel like it's just going to be like comp- comparative to kind of other AGMs of past years. There's going to be a lot more questions about what's going on on the pitch and what kind of conversations have been had in the boardroom kind of regarding the management and playing staff, I feel like it's a massive mistake if anyone attending and with the ability to kind of ask a question isn't questioning what's going on on the park and what's going on in the boardroom, I feel like it's a massive mistake to kind of try and focus on anything financial related this time round, like, we turned over the profit, that obviously wasn't including the Champions League money in the sales of Owen Bassi. I feel like the questions need to be like, why have you decided to persist with this? Like, what is the long-term plan? And it is going to be hostile. Like, it is. And I feel like at this point, they've brought it on themselves. You can't really feel any sympathy for any, anyone attending the AGM that's going to have to sit and be berated by these questions, because... As fans, I feel like we deserve the answers.
0: Yeah, we absolutely deserve yeah, absolutely. the answers as fans. Um, there's plenty of comments talking about the board's apparent yeah. or or uh, yeah, apparent yeah. disinterest in the football side of things. They're only interested in the financial side of things. We saw in the accounts that um, a decent chunk of money was paid back to them um, for their for their investment that they made. Um, I, there's two skills of thought I guess and whether that's the right thing to do or this is the right time for that to happen Um we're also appreciative of of the money that they put in at the time to get us towards 55 but there's further discussions to be had around that there's um there's the I think it was, was it Kyle Fox the American businesswoman, um, that was interested in investing I think there's much more legs in that um going forward as to and we'll be hearing much more about that as we enter the new year. Um, but I think it's—I think the AGM itself is going, as as Paul McGarigal says here, is going to be absolutely carnage. Um, and I don't think—I think there'll be a massive backlog of questions as well at the board. And I'm not convinced we'll get the answers there either. To be honest, it's easy enough for a board member to to palm off a question at an AGM because the the person asking the question isn't allowed to ask a follow-up. So. They can just say whatever they want in response and and take that on. The board are pretty silent anyway. As it stands, they're not um, forthcoming with with reasoning or they're not, they spoke a lot about transparency both in the summer and in seasons before. I've not seen any transparency from the board whatsoever. Um, it all seems to be backroom dealings. And I think as a support, we are, we are absolutely understandably suspicious now when it comes to to a lack of transparency um, or when some strange decisions seem to be made, um, even on the back of, and I know it was when Dave King was in charge and not the current board, but even the price fixing side of things and the lack of an apology for it. And there's a whole host of things that have happened over the last six months that are really, really strange from a board that had effectively Rangers fans praising them at their feet. When they got us to fifty-five, and for the effort they put in, and the the amount of equipment they showed, and the um, the um, the amount of investment they put forward personally, but it seems to have been that that was the one goal and the only goal, and they've completely backtracked from anything more. I think as Rangers fans, we were expecting that to continue, um, but it just it just hasn't. Kai has it, and it's it we're really seeing the detrimental effects of it now.
1: No, it feels like the rug can be completely swept from under your feet. Like you're you're on that massive high, and then you just get brought brought back down. You see, obviously, fair enough. We obviously appreciate the money that was put in by the board and the investors, but the fact that at the very the very first chance to take it back, they've taken the money all at once. When obviously, like the money coming in that's going to go towards the next financial year, will probably mean we make even more profit. Like did they all have to be paid back at the same time? It just feels a bit a bit kind of suspicious to me that the money's kind of all been taken back at the one time and as much as we do appreciate it and we did did help us towards the fifty-five. It's like is that really the best time? Like is kind of taints the investment a bit? Like obviously they're going to get paid back eventually and you do want people to get paid back the money that they've invested, but it just seemed Kinda of strange to me that it was all taken out at the one time. I don't know how you feel about that. If I'm just being a bit overly critical.
0: No, I'd I'd completely agree with that, and I I think the, the fact it was, I think it was just over 14 million pounds was taken out in one season, which is a an astronomical amount, especially in a season when actually a lot of us thought that we um, that we would we, that we were in for a full squad rebuild last summer. Now, for that not to take place, to see £14 million pounds taken out of the club's um, finances and then to experience the season that we are experiencing to date is immediately concerning and it's, it immediately raises questions about the um, what what the board are doing, what their strategy is, what they're, what they're seeing this look like over the next three seasons, four seasons, five seasons. How do they see this project continuing? They spoke a lot about um, Rangers being self-sufficient, and we we we're all on board with that. Um, but I think there's a there's a process you go through to get to that stage, and it, it, like you say, it does feel like the rug's been swept from under from under all the Rangers fans' feet on that front, as if we won the fifty fifth title for um, in our history, and then it's effectively they've, they've shut. Up, they've, I would don't want to say they've shut up shop because they have invested, but they've not kept um, the levels of investment in the playing squad as to what they were what they were beforehand, especially when we've seen the massive sales with the likes of Nathan Patterson, Calvin Bassi, Joe Aribo, there's significant chunks of money are coming into the club, and like you say, they'll fall into this financial year, but, um, but you add on the Champs League money as well, and it's a hefty chunk of money is in there, and to see the lack of investment is, is confusing um, as a fan, and I think the board definitely have questions to answer on that one. Um, Kai, we've just hit the the 50 minute mark so I won't keep you too much longer. Thank you very much for joining us tonight, Kai. No problem, mate. Pleasure as always. And thank you very much to Reese who disappeared about 10 minutes ago with suffering from Some technical problems, um, but he made a few controversial opinions, as he always likes to do. Anyway, thank you very much, everyone else, for listening. Um, As we're in the World Cup break, we're in a bit of a lighter schedule than normal um, with our bulletins. So we'll be live every Wednesday evening and every Sunday evening, so make sure you continue to tune in. Please remember to subscribe to the TII YouTube channel, toggle on those notifications, and you'll get a little email every single time we go live. Uh, Thank you very much for listening um, and until next time, hopefully if this works, um, until next time, goodbye.